Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And uh, today is an American holiday that means a lot to me and probably to many of you. It's Memorial Day, a day when we remember the fallen soldiers. I think that's what it's about, right? I mean, I imagine we also have, uh, we bear in mind those who were injured as well and suffered horrible losses of various kinds. Now, um, Although Memorial Day is largely kind of a barbecue and beer kind of day and in, in that's the association many people make or it's there's a special sale at the furniture store. It's that kind of day as well. Um, is there any conflict between those two things? Is there a conflict between mourning the, the fallen versus uh, enjoying the abundance and, and, and basically celebrating the life that we have? I wonder. Also, what is the proper way to think about the U.S. troops in general? Uh, the type of um, choices they make, the, you know, if they do die in battle or if they do uh, get injured horribly, should that be seen as a sacrifice? Should that be seen as a as virtuous um, as, because it's sacrificial, et cetera? You can probably guess if you're familiar with the philosophy of Ayn Rand that we're not big fans of sacrifice. So how what is a good way then to look at uh, fallen soldiers and the types of risks they're willing to take. Here to help me explore the topic is a guy who, uh, well, let's just say he served his country in his own way by bringing art to the people, which the, not even the U.S. troops can live without. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. What's up, man? Just uh, enjoying the holiday so far. Um, so which so which one of these are we going to tackle first? You you put a few things on the table. Yeah, I guess. Um, so uh, I guess let's talk about the celebratory element. You know, some people I've seen sort of posting memes like there's a picture of a woman crying on a gravesite, and it says like this. Remember, you know, this is what Memorial Day is about, not beer, barbecues, and Bentleys. You know, I, I'm paraphrasing from memory here. Uh, it's not about furniture sales, they say, but I think uh, maybe. I have a bit more of a positive attitude towards the um, kind of material side of the holiday, but I, I understand where people are coming from when, if they're saying, please remember <laughs> at least part of the holiday that this is about lo the loss of life. Uh, how do, do you ever feel kind of um, conflicted about the celebratory nature of a holiday like M Memorial Day? I never have. Uh, and I never really looked at it in those terms. Um, I've seen our military as the most moral military in the history of civilization. And so to the degree that they've been on the front lines of liberty, it's exactly that commercialism, uh, that free market thing, that, that capacity for us to go out and pursue values um, that they have been protecting, um, at least from their origins and in theory, <laughs> uh, from, their, for, from their origins. I don't know that it's worked out that way in practice, but I certainly celebrate the spirit of the, the American military um, as the, the bulwark of, of my liberty, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we and it's appropriate. It's appropriate to celebrate life, to exchange, to, to live, to enjoy the fruits of abundance that liberty gives you. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's just, it's so interesting to me too. Uh, so I, I was, I was born in Israel. I lived there. There's a, there's some very solemn days, holidays there. If even the word holiday sounds awkward to use, it's, you know, there's Holocaust Remembrance Day. I think there's a version of Memorial Day. 
uh, we're, you know, remembering the fallen soldiers and they're very solemn. There's like a, usually a moment of silence where everyone just stops driving, everyone pulls over and there's like a siren or something that goes off. I mean, it's very, very solemn. So these sort of, uh, those types of holidays are very sad over there. Um, also the new year, new year's holiday, um, in the Jewish religion and therefore sort of in, in the Israeli culture to an extent is a sad day. It's like a day of reflecting, um, on all of your shortcomings and transgressions. And I would probably say a bit too far or a lot too far there, there it's too much guilt. You, why don't, how about, how about taking inventory of, of all the good things you've accomplished over the year? And now jumping over to American life. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are celebratory. Memorial Day, celebratory. Basically, any holiday you can name is a day of celebration and sales half off at the furniture store or the car dealership, and everyone's having a barbecue. And um, it just, um, I know some, I guess, I guess, uh, I think the, um, the American people could probably have a little bit more of a of a solemn attitude at times, but, but, but by and large, I think I agree with you that the sort of benevolent approach to holidays and sort of a celebration as opposed to mourning is the proper way. Um, speaking of celebration, thank you, Jeff, for the Canadian super chat. And thank you, Shona, for the, some type of Euro, I never, I still don't know. <laughs> the British slash European super chat. Thank you for that. Uh, pounds says Rosie. Thank you, Rosie. Um, <laughs> So um, now when it comes to the, uh, the sort of, I guess, sacrifice as it's commonly caused that the troops do, I mean, first they take an enormous risk. Well, first of all, they give up years of their life to go serve. Um, then they take an enormous risk when they are, when they are sent uh, on, a, on tour. And oftentimes they lose life and or limb in the process. And I think a lot of the sort of popular way to look at it is like, you know, they sacrificed for us to be free, almost like we could, we could not be free if nobody's sacrificing, if nobody's suffering, it, it sort of feeds into this whole kind of zero sum game view of, of the world that I don't, that I don't share, of course. Um, is there, how do you tend to look at the um, quote sacrifice that the troops make do you see it as a sacrifice do you see it as basically a type of trade um or like do you see it like i do like like they're pursuing their values um in in a certain respect in a big in a big way and they deserve thanks but also you know nobody needs to uh see it as a as um as a zero-sum type of world where somebody needs to suffer in order for someone else to be free uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree. It's not a zero-sum world. We have a voluntary force, and the people that go into the force are doing it because, in the, in their realm of alternatives, that's the best alternative, and it and it and it can be uh, quite empowering. It can it can be a great career step in lots of uh, lots of other ways besides the military world for them. They can get an education out of it. Um, they can they can build all kinds of skills, vocational skills and personal skills and disciplines that I think are, are, are very powerful tools for an individual going forward. And I think that, you know, the, the volunteer going into the force is volunteering for an ideal that is very, very good, very pro-life, um, because they are in essence protecting the ideal of a representative constitutional government. 
um, which is the only system we've been able to come up with so far that protects the rights of minorities um, and, and enables us to, to thrive. So they are our protectors of life in theory when they're, when they're signing up for the military. Unfortunately, I think I would say that the, 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 folks, the folks who go into the military aren't responsible for the policies of the military. That's the, the political class that ends up sending them to places where um, I think what they wind up doing is sacrificing themselves and their lives um, because they are giving up something of greater value for lesser value. It's not that they're protecting our liberties uh, abroad. They're being sent to, uh, I don't know, increase the status of democracy abroad or nation build or uh, protect citizens abroad who are somewhat enmeshed with the ideas, the toxic ideas that we're actually trying to eliminate from the world. So in that respect, they're not necessarily protecting us. I'm sure we'll find some people in the chat who, who feel differently about that. And, and what they lose on the battleground is, is a very real loss because in the end, it amounts to no political gain uh, at all. Um, I mean, we've been involved in the same war for what, 20 years now? And uh, we've just been withdrawing with, uh, with, with the opposition claiming victory now in the same way that the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese claimed victory when we withdrew from there after losing 58,000 lives. Yeah, it's very difficult to explain to people kind of what's wrong with America's foreign policy because you got like the anti-war people who they just drop all context. Anytime America drops a bomb, that is to them the same as Hitler going out and and ethnically cleansed. It's just, it's just, you know, killing is killing. And that's all they say. That's the anti-war crowd. Then there's the sort of, uh, these are the, the, the pro-war kind of George Bush types, the, the neocons or, or, or whatever they happen to be, who they believe in this sort of partially pragmatist, partially like altruist driven uh, type of uh, foreign policy where you purposely don't, in, you, if you're going to invade, you don't invade the country that's actually threatening you. So let's say after 9-11, Iran and Saudi Arabia were the real uh, governments largely uh, affiliated with, with 9-11, and Iran was actively, openly uh, promising more attacks. So who does Bush go to invade? He says, well, Iraq, obviously, because they're not the direct threat nearly on the same scale. Also, Iraq is much more secular. They're less religious. We don't want to uh, make this about Islam in any way. So... Um, so he, so George Bush, uh, you know, uh, took took America into Iraq with the help of Congress, of course, and um, and uh, if that's not bad enough, then the war was fought with uh, the sort of this sort of pragmatism, like kind of looking very short term at everything, every little goal. So kind of bribing one militia to help us fight another. So very sloppy, very short range, everything, and uh, most horrifically of all, just war theory, this sort of uh, altruistic Christian type of mentality when it comes to war, which is saying, don't fight to win. Basically, uh, a war is only just when your enemy is as strong as you are. So if you're stronger, you need to kind of give yourself a bit of a handicap, like you're playing golf. I'm assuming that's how it works with golf. Um, you need to tie your hands behind your back a little bit. And so now this brings up the troops. Those poor troops, they're, they, they go into this with, with the right mindset. They want to protect the way of life that they love. They want to protect their family. They want to uh, increase the possibility of their own pursuit of happiness when they get back. And then they're sent into all these topsy-turvy operations. They're basically made to feel guilty. 
and or uh, made charged with with actual crimes if they do their job of killing the enemy. And to the extent they do kill the enemy, now they're living with guilt because they don't have the moral clarity that any soldier needs to know, like killing in the name of, of self-defense or killing in the name of defending your way of life and liberty is a moral virtue. Um, so they end up either dead, guilty, cynical, or, or things like that. So uh, the, the real gift I think we could offer the troops um, or the memory of the fallen is a much better philosophy relating to war. And uh, I would recommend Elon Giorno's book, Winning the Unwinnable War, uh, as well as his other lectures and books um, for a better sort of perspective on, on this topic. Indeed, I don't see anybody in uh, the halls of the establishment who are picking up Elon's book, though, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, which I mean, it, it, I think it, it goes hand in hand with uh, philosophy at large, with ethics at large, with politics at large. As long as intellectuals are not embracing egoism or, or reason as in the way that Ayn Rand uh, offers reason, completely grounded in reality. As long as they're rejecting selfishness as a virtue, they're always going to see any display of strength, any sort of assertiveness as basically working against morality. The moral and the practical are opposed to one another. And Israel are, are dealing with the same type of thing over there, dealing with Hamas. Hamas are clearly like a deranged group of uh, religious, religious lunatics that want nothing more than to see the innocent suffer and die. But Israel can't bring themselves. They don't have the stomach, not the leadership of Israel and not the general populace of Israel. They don't have the stomach to just completely get the job done and devastate the spirits of, of Israel's agitators. Uh, quick super chat uh, roll call here. We got Brian Bonar. Yes, that is his name with $2. He says, I celebrate the freedom worth fighting for. And uh, N. Somer with a $20 Canadian. He says, greetings from Canada, eh? which made its mark in the world by its involvement in war. In World War I, something like 20% of the population was conscripted slash coerced into the effort, not as Canadians, but as British subjects. Yeah, pretty amazing how long it took Canada to gain independence from the Queen. I think it was 1982. 1982, Canada finally gained independence. Um, we love we love Canada, by the way. Uh, I see no reason they should not be literally annexed uh, by the United States. That's how that's how affectionate I am towards them. But jokes aside, um, yeah, thank you, Canada, for being a fellow basically free country nearby. It's, I'm very glad not to have Hamas, you know, up north. Although I, you know, people have speculated that it could end up basically that way in future decades. But that's a whole nother episode. Um, <laughs> So yeah, you know, this, uh, the philosophy of a culture, uh, it has real life consequences. So whenever people argue, you know, they say, oh, who cares about all this philosophy, philosophy, let everyone believe whatever philosophy they believe and everyone just go to work. Okay, I appreciate, I appreciate the, the live and let live approach to that, but there are real life consequences to philosophy. When people believe altruism is the moral ideal, when people believe pragmatism is the sort of rational course of action, by pragmatism, I mean short range, everything, tunnel vision. We, we, we see uh, real life consequences of that in America's foreign policy, uh, let alone domestic policy. And people die. People die for these uh, philosophical choices that the intellectuals make and transmit. 
This is real stuff, folks. So God help the troops. They need, uh, they need us to be rational here uh, stateside. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. Indeed. And they deserve our praise. They yeah. deserve our appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate uh, what, they're, what they've done. Um, the analytic synthetic dichotomy in the chat says Bush even asked for the support of the Iranians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you actually zoom in to all that's happened in America's wars and people act like, oh, Bush is this crazy cowboy. He's this hawk, right? Don't mess with Texas, they said. He's over there bribing one group of Islamic terrorists to fight another. He's over there telling the U.S. troops don't kill too many people, you know, if you're not sure, like just everything is er, er, these wars are fought in ways that have never been shown to be effective. Um, it truly is remarkable how both Bush's Christianity as well as just war theory, which is kind of like a sort of blend of Christianity with with uh, ridiculous uh, war policy. Uh, Bush's altruism and short range vision led to absolutely ridiculous uh, practices in war. Um, it really is, uh, it really is sad. So, uh, so I guess I'll say to the troops, we thank you for your service and um, we're proud to be fighting for the culture that you are fighting, literally fighting to defend. Um, now, uh, as even though, even though that culture is imaginary at this point. <laughs> yeah, basically, but you know, it's a potential, who, it's a potential. It's, it's a potential and there we still do have the ghosts of the founding fathers around us. You know, there is still something about the Americans that are just seems to be inextinguishable despite despite it all. I still uh, I still do maintain uh, hmm. that that spirit lives in me. Um, now, as a, as a, as an entertainer, a lot uh, a lot of my audience have been males like young male you know, and therefore a lot of troops um, I've gotten in contact with by over the years. Maybe as well, you, Mark, have been contacted by current or former troops who appreciate uh, the entertainment you've provided. And uh, in my own experience, I've never seen a U.S. troop, current or former, who sees himself as doing me a favor. If anything, he sees it as at the uh, at, he sees it as the other way around, kind of like thank you for making this world one worth defending, kind of make this making this a country worth fighting for by exercising your liberty, by exercising free speech, and all of that. Um, so they they tend to have a very uh, very um, proud approach, like they have pride, they have digni a very dignified approach. The troops tend to have uh, they don't see themselves as nailing themselves to a cross and and being all, you know, being weak for, so that I can live uh, safely. Um, indeed, indeed, they don't. Yeah. Good people, good people, uh, by and large. Uh, all they're missing is a uh, better country stateside uh, and a better, much better policy to send them out into battle. All right. Um, well, we are about at about 20 minutes. I guess we can uh, move this over to Clubhouse and speak uh, the praises of the troops there. Uh, I'd like to, we'd love to hear from all of you over there on Clubhouse. Let us know what you think. Maybe some of you have actually fought. What does this holiday mean to you? Uh, thank you all for the super chats today. It really means a lot. Um, and uh, coming up at 8 p.m. UK time, which is three Eastern, HBTV returns for episode two. That's Harry Binswanger TV. And today's episode, 
the left's Bible thumping. You heard that right. The left's Bible thumping. I, I love this show. All right. And then coming up tomorrow at 7 p.m. UK time, which is 2 p.m. Eastern, Yaron Brook debates Georgia Leatherdale Gilhoy, Gilholy. Now that is a cool name, although I'm rooting for Yaron. Uh, and the debate is religion versus atheism. Now that's a serious, I mean, talk about a, a, a debate that has co real life consequences. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, join us for those. And of course, we'll be back here for the Daily Objective same time tomorrow on the Ayn Rand Center UK. Thank you again for the support. Thank you, Mark, uh, for your service here today. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thanks, and thank you, thank you all again. See you on Clubhouse and goodbye.